I called into KSL Radio and I won a two free steak dinners to Sizzler because I repeated the words to Ba Ram You from the end of Babe. <laughs> Maybe blue glasses aren't a bad thing, and more people should wear them because they help you see better. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Uh, Jaron Hall, I spoke with him as well yesterday. He's been waiting to be the starting quarterback since he was young. Obviously, he got a couple of starts in 2019, got injured, sat out last year with uh, an injured hip. But he's, he's back and trying to win that job. And his life is very different as of July. Here's my conversation with the hopeful QB1. Jaron, competing for the starting quarterback's job is stress enough and a life-changing experience, let alone having a baby in July with Bree, baby Jada, your new daughter, first kid. How is life right now as you navigate these two important things? It's fun, man. It's, uh, it's tough trying to, you know, keep everyone happy on football and the wife, of course, but, uh, you know, I've always juggled several things at a time when it comes to sports, so it's, it's been fun, man. Being able to come play, play football with the guys every day and then go home to my beautiful wife and my baby. So it's uh, I mean, greatest blessing I could ask for. It's a good time. That's awesome. Nice shirt, by the way. you got to earn that 1000 bucks, right? Hey, man. got to <laughs> earn it. Okay. <clears throat> Dallin Holker just told the media that if he were to have uh, – he were asked about, you know, a foursome in golf of, of guys, and he said, he might invite you. Are you a pretty good golfer? I dabble, man. I dabble. I, I got to have some way to make business in the future, you know, so I try to work on that golf game. Quarterbacks have to be good at golf because you get invited to these Ooh, tournaments late, right? Like Robbie Bosco and these guys, they all got to play. They all got to play. A lot of territory, absolutely. How's camp been for you? Obviously, it's a different kind of pressure. Last year, you were a little banged up, didn't end up dressing for the games. What's this camp like as you try and be the guy? Same as any other, you know, I've, I've said it before, it's just it's just looking forward to the first game, you know, preparing as if every day you're in Vegas, getting ready for Arizona, so that's been my mindset. Um, it's just made everything more game-like, made everything come faster, and so it's been a it's been a good couple of weeks to, to get better and, and just prepare for that first game. On media day, new offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick, he's been calling the plays for a minute since 2019 for the majority of the time, but now the OC fully. He said, if Jaron is healthy, he'll be hard to beat. So are you healthy? I'm healthy. I'm practicing. So you'll be hard to beat then. Apparently, okay. Let's uh, let's walk through this. Um, let's talk about your your two compatriots that you're competing with. What do Baylor and Jacob do really well in your mind? I mean, Baylor is a he's a game manager. I mean, he's the most consistent guy in the field when he comes out. You know what he's going to get. And you've seen it in the last two years. Every time he goes out and plays, um, he's always ready to go and he knows what he's doing and demands the field and controls it really well. And then Jake's out there. He makes plays, man. He's uh, one of the most exciting young freshmen, you know, playing quarterback, you know, that I've seen since I've been at BYU of all the freshmen that come through. You know, he, he plays like he's three years beyond his age and, and experience, and he's a fun player to watch. It's always fun to have a dude that told Alabama no, right? That's pretty cool. <laughs> Give me the dynamic in that room because you guys balance competitiveness to be the guy, and being the quarterback at BYU is awesome, right? Like, that's a massive, uh, awesome opportunity. But you also want chemistry among you um, because the backups help in that process in the game, right? So what's that like in that room? Yeah, I mean, yeah, off the field, we're just a bunch of dudes that have been hanging out for, for years, you know. Um, I think we're good friends off the field, and, and it's come with the years and time spent in that room. 
Um, but as we've seen before, and it happens often in college football, you're always going to need more than one quarterback, unfortunately. So it happens. We've been through it the last three years. And so I think just with that mindset, everyone's locked in and, and competitive on the field, but off the field, it's, I think it just comes natural. You know, everyone in that room are a bunch of good guys, you know, good people. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a good vibe in there. We're talking to Jaron Hall on BYU Sports Nation. Growing up, some, some people called me Jaron, so I feel like we're connected in that way. We need to start a podcast or something. Um, What's the minimum amount of time you would need to find out you're the guy and be ready for Arizona? I mean, it could be a month in advance. It could be a minute in advance. You know, for me, every every rep I take on and off, you know, whether I'm in or on the sideline is prepared for the first game, you know, when we're practicing. So it doesn't really matter. You know, I'm going to treat it as if I'm going to be on the field September 4th, and and that's all I know how to do. How much of a run threat do you want to be uh, because you have an excellent skill set with that, 4.8 yards per carry with sacks, which means you're probably in the six-yard per carry range when you're not sacked, right? With the you want to stay healthy and be able to play if, if you're the starter. I mean, our offense is, is tailored around the receivers we have and the tight ends and running backs getting the ball into their hands, so my job is to do that. You know, so first thing, we're going to be you know, aggressive, and, and A-Rod will call the plays as he does. If there's opportunities to make plays and certain things break down, then I'll do it. You know, I always have. But, you know, for me as a quarterback, I'm there to get the ball into my playmaker's hands, and and that's first thing for me. Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos leave the staff and go to Baylor. We'll see them in October, which will be fun. But Aaron Roderick and Fess Sitakian, former OC, Steve Clark, all involved, right? How much different is the offense and the play calls and the names of the calls and whatnot from last year since Aaron was play calling quite a bit already? I mean, we called the same plays, you know, we, we, we picked up from where we left off last year and the year before. And, you know, every year you kind of evolve and add some things in, take some things out. So, you know, from from year one of the new staff, you know, of Kalani's reign, it's it's changed a little bit. But for the most part, it stayed the same. And, and this year we'll continue to add some things and, and fix some things that need to be fixed. That continuity will be great. And I want to flash back to your second start, which to me was extremely impressive. Aaron Roderick brought it up on Media Day as well. You were pacing for a 400-100 game, which, by the way, there have been like 13 of those in FBS history. Taysom Hill has one. Against Utah State in that first half, you go 200-plus pass. You had 54 yards rushing. Obviously, the concussion and second one takes you out for the rest of the season. What was clicking in that game that – and have you watched that game to sort of relive like, okay, this is, this is what I can do. I know I can do this successfully. Yeah, in the offseason, I watched it. You know, every year I'll go back and look at practices and things. So I watched it, and I think really all it was was just confidence from everybody. You know, all 11 guys on the team and the defense, you know, going into that game, everyone had whoever's back was going to be on the field. And and so it was just it was just fun. Everyone's excited. It was a rivalry game, you know, so there's a lot of energy up there in that stadium. And it just, it just clicked. You know, I don't know what exactly it was other than just confidence and, and knowing our plays and executing, you know, better than the other team did. What's it like uh, trying to throw the ball uh, around two six eight three hundred pound tackles in Harris Lachance and Blake Freeland? Those guys are beasts. That's where my point guard days come in hand, man. <laughs> Navigating around long bodies on the court, so it's uh, it's fun, man. For me, I'm protected, I'm safe, you know. So six nine, there was six ten. I'll take that, man. We'll make it work. How long did you play point guard? How old were you? Oh shoot, since I was a little kid. Uh, since I picked up a basketball quarterback, point guard, just had the knack for throwing the ball, you know. When, when, when did you stop playing uh, basketball? So high school. So I played all the way through high school and then, and then finished when I went on my mission to play. But I'll still play every now and then, try to keep the legs in shape, keep the jumper nice. I heard Neil Powell is the best basketball player on the team. Is this true? 
So I've heard. I've yet to play with him. Oh. He's never there when I'm not with the guys. So interesting. Uh, you know, I, word of mouth. I know. I know. <laughs> but uh, he's a baller. What's it like to be the quarterback on this team with these kind of options at running back and receiver and tight end? Yeah, I was talking to. I don't know who I was talking to. Practice. It's stressful, man. It's stressful. You got so many weapons. You know, you, know, you want to keep everybody happy, but uh, no, it makes our it makes our lives easy. You know, you always got a good option to go with the ball and someone to make a play. So there's good and there's bad with that. Who's the loudest voice to you about that? Like, hey, your your boy's open. Every single one of them. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, mean, I think we're pretty good at you know as they come off the field or hey, I'm open. It's just like yeah, I know you are, but you know. We'll complete it over there. We'll complete it there. You know, you'll get your ball. It'll yeah, come. That's, so, uh, that's no, it's, it's fun, man. It's a good time. See, now that you're married, you don't have, like, a roommate who's a receiver who that would be awkward with. Two of the men's volleyball players, one the setter and an outside hitter, they said it was awkward. We'd get into fights when we'd go home about stuff. You don't have to worry oh, about yeah. that, which is, which is good. That's true. I just got to worry about keeping my wife happy. So, Describe to me what you've envisioned, if you have. I imagine you have. It'll be like to run out against Arizona – with this group this year, with the, with the crowd? Electric, man. I mean, we're the greatest fan base in the world, you know, of any sport. So to feel like a home game, I'm sure. And, and I think about every night before I go to sleep, strapping up for the first game, and I'm excited. I'm ready to go. So hopefully, you know, it works out when that day comes. But I'm just excited to be with the guys and you not know, to take the field when, it, when that time comes. Jared, I appreciate the time, man. Best of luck with everything. That was Jaron Hall, uh, the hopeful QB1 in his mind. Maybe it's Baylor Romney. Maybe it's a shocker and it's Jacob Connor, but I, I think the consensus feels like, hey, Jaron Hall's probably going to be the guy and get the first right of refusal with the uh, starting quarterback opportunity. We'll go from there. I know what, uh, that we will discuss this coming up a little bit later, but uh, we may know the answer to this very, very soon. And I know that right. not just us – not we're no, not the no, only ones. Just the two of us, and we're not going to tell. We're, we're not the only ones that are looking forward to this. All BYU football fans are anxiously awaiting the naming of the quarterback. Uh, yeah, uh, it's the biggest story in BYU sports every year. Who's the quarterback? Is it not? Uh, it is. It is absolutely yeah. the quarterback spot. Yeah, right. Is always number one. Even if there's not even even if there's not even a competition, focus on the quarterback is always where people zero in on. Last year we were like. There was a narrative that Spencer and I called, uh, you know, false during the summer. Like, well, well, there's a quarterback battle. We're like, no, there's That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. A quarterback battle sound off. The offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick is given the choice of who to send out as the starting quarterback against Arizona on September 4th. And the latest commentary from the OG A-Rod features comments on all three quarterbacks. Listen to this. I will say this. When, when Jaron, Jaron and Baylor look like veteran QBs, they run our offense efficiently. And then Conover is just a guy he's got He's got his moments where he's just like, you know, he's, I, I don't like to compare anybody to anybody, but he's a young, it's almost like Zach when he was young. He's, some of the plays he makes are really big plays, and then some of the mistakes he makes are just young young mistakes. They're just they're things that get uh, fixed with time. And so, but the upside's really high, and so he's an intriguing dude, man. He's a good player. And so it's, it's just fun having those, uh, you know, the contrast there of the two veterans that really know what they're doing and run the show with the with the young guy that's that's got a super bright future that uh, 
is really explosive kid. Jerem, what is your reaction to those comments about all three quarterbacks from offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick? And I think it was Saturday after the scrimmage when he said this. Um, my first thought is, oh, he really likes Jacob Conover too. Uh, he likes all three. Um, I'm excited to hear from David Nixon on his opinion on this coming up as well in the next segment. But uh, it makes me think of 2018. So BYU played a freshman, a true freshman. In this case, Jacob is technically like a redshirt freshman, even though it wasn't a redshirt year, it was a free year. Anyways, he's a COVID freshman. Um, in 2018, BYU played Tanner Mangum as the start of the first six games, went 3-3. Three and three. One of those was Wisconsin. Uh, BYU won that game. That was big time. But uh, made the switch at game seven to true freshman Zach Wilson. BYU's not in that situation this year where they have an expected incumbent starter senior who's going to play, and then if it doesn't work out, hey, maybe we hand it off to this guy. You have two sophomores who are essentially juniors, right, um, in Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney. And Jacob Conover was there and, and has some really high highs but has some low lows, right, as a freshman and needs some PT. And he's just a straight-up freshman, by the way. He could still play four games and redshirt this year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, last year, like, didn't exist for anybody, if you will. Um, so, yeah, he could be – he could redshirt this year and then yet, next year be a redshirt freshman for the third time. If Crazy. You, like a freshman for the third year. Anyway, BYU's not in that same situation. BYU doesn't need to give the ball to a freshman – even if he's uber talented. Now, if he's more talented than, and better than Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney, great. Hand him the keys to this car. I just think it'll be a little surprising if that's the case. So um, I, I don't read into it too much. But basically, Aaron has been tipping his hand for a long time now that Jaron Hall, if he's Jaron Hall, he's going to be the guy, right? And Baylor's right there, ready to go. Baylor's done nothing to not deserve some PT as well, given how well he played in 2019. Last year was all Zach Wilson and nothing for the backups, right? Jaron didn't even dress all year, by the way. It was just he was on the sideline, but getting through a hip injury. I, I don't look, I don't read into it too much, but again, I'm still of the opinion that I would ideally not hand uh, a freshman this schedule. I would love to, for a freshman to get a little more uh, experience before giving him. Even if Jacob Conover does have the most talent, and you can look at talent however you want, hard to quantify. Yeah, is it more about just talent? Or potential, or is it more about the guy that you trust the most and you feel like gives you the best chance to win against whoever the opponent is? I think, of course, it's that. Right. I, no, no question. So when I listen to that comment, I hear him say, veterans that know how to run the offense, Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney. So right there, in my mind, is like, they're one and two. Yeah. They are one and two for game number one. And they have been for a long time. We're talking like years, yes. probably. Doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that their potential is the highest, that they have the most untapped talent. Who's to say what that is, too? Right? right? Again, it depends yeah. on who you're talking to. It is all so subjective to whoever is analyzing all of that. Yeah. What do you, right? what do you want from the quarterback? So for me, this is a similar situation, and wouldn't you know BYU's opening up the season against Arizona like they did in 2018 when it was Tanner Mangum versus Zach Wilson. They're going to open up the season against Arizona. But, yeah, it's different but still the underlying theme or principle of go with somebody that you just trust that has been around for a long time, that understands the offense, that you're not going to worry about as much. What if there were... Zach Wilson was obviously more talented than Tanner Mangum. Yeah. Clearly. And in 2018, but they what, if, the what if there Mangum. were two Tanner Mangums and you had Zach? Then Zach would get buried a little bit. That's the case for Jacob Conover right here. 
He's probably going to be the third-string quarterback. And I dare say he might be the best third-string quarterback BYU's had in a while, right? Maybe. Like, if he's the third-string guy. I mean, you could look at the 80s rosters and be like, Steve Young was sitting there on the roster. Right. Like, Robbie Bosco was sitting there eventually in that room as the third string. Now, my, it happens. the point that I've made and I think you have made at times remains the same. Any of these three quarterbacks, whoever BYU rolls out against Arizona, I feel like BYU would win the game. They start yes. Jacob Conover. Arizona stinks. Yes. I think BYU would win the game. I don't necessarily feel the same about every game on the schedule. But the Utah game, I start to feel a little bit differently. Yeah, I want Jaron Hall in the Utah game. Be- I'm okay with Baylor well, Romney in the and Utah Baylor game, too. I, I, Jaron adds his legs, and Baylor adds the he's not going to make a massive mistake. He doesn't turn the ball over. And maybe against Utah. That's what you Not do. turning the ball over might be the key. And I, I hate that it comes to that. Because you have to do good things, not... Not do bad things. Does that make sense? You have to be commissively good, but not omissively bad. That's the Utah okay. situation. Topic two. So if you had to name a starter today, who would it be and why? Man. Uh, we're splitting hairs with Jaron and Baylor, in my opinion. Yeah. It's really close. Yeah. I think it's going to be Jaron Hall. If I were to name a starter today, based on everything that happened last season, the fact that Jaron didn't play... I'd probably lean towards Baylor Romney today. But there are still two and a half weeks to go, and I think Jaron Hall is going to be the guy, and he will do just enough to earn that starting job against Arizona. So I think it's going to be Jaron, but if we're talking today, I would make Baylor Romney my starting quarterback. Interesting. Um, I want to hear from the crowd that doesn't think it's going to be Jaron against Arizona. Like, what? Like sell me on that idea because Aaron clearly thinks it's going to be Jaron. Sure. It's so like he's telling us. I feel like it's Jaron. I feel like, and in fact, I have it on pretty good account that Baylor knows the playbook, the best of any of the three quarterbacks. He can get BYU into formations and into plays probably quicker and more reliably than the other two quarterbacks right now. He's just spent more time with it. And based on the nature of what he did behind Zach Wilson last year, when Jaron couldn't dress or wasn't dressing, that wasn't an advantage for Baylor. It helped him progress. I feel like he understands the playbook and the offense better than the other two quarterbacks. So that is the determiner for me that pushes Baylor 51% and Jaron 49%. Mm. To me, it's who throws the ball the best within that, right? Like, who executes the offense? Also, Baylor doesn't turn the ball over. Like, Jaron has more of a tendency because of the way he plays the game, or at least we've seen him in the past, he will have more of a tendency to, it's a little more risky. Baylor yes. Is, is, yes. He is the okay. safe, risk-free option, in my opinion. There's acceptable risk, right? Um, there's acceptable risk. Like, the leader in interceptions in BYU history is Ty Demmer. Like, the leader in touchdowns is Ty Demmer. Like, there's a certain amount of risk that, in, yeah, in certain games. Outside of Utah, it's like, listen, against, you know, there, there are three or four people on the schedule where it can't be vanilla or simple. It's got to be a little more aggressive if you're going to win the game. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, it's exciting to have a couple options here. Okay, uh, I would name Jaron as well. Yeah, if it's today, Jaron. Um, but it's in two and a half weeks. I do hope BYU named starter this week, though, like by the end of the week. Okay. Or early next week. I would like to see two weeks' worth of reps for the number one guy. I would like the number one guy to be like, I'm the guy, the team knows I'm the guy, everyone knows, and they can rally around that guy. I think that's important. I think if you wait until the week of the game, uh, you've given that guy fewer reps to prepare for that specific game. Now, we could argue that Arizona is so bad that maybe it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't think it does. But going into Utah, okay, now it's okay. It's game week and it's Utah, and you're the guy from the Arizona game, barring some disaster, right? So 
Yeah, I, I think it'll be Jaron. Mitch Matthews had a fun comment uh, when we talked to him last week about the quarterback battle. Here's what he said. Everyone wants to know, even the players want to know, and they might have an idea of who is going to be, but if they're not for sure, then you really aren't building around this person early enough. You don't want it to be a 50-50 battle, uh, you know, coming to the first game of the year. You want the starter to be there from spring ball and the summer workouts, and you want him to be the captain and leading the team for a long, long time and have that experience. So I don't necessarily know if it's healthy. If it's not Jaron Hall, will you be surprised? Yes. I will too. Yeah. And let's not act like that's for the whole season. That's literally for the Arizona game. Because there are three guys in a quarterback battle, it means that if it doesn't go well, and we need to talk about at some point in the future, another day, how long the leash is. Exactly. How long is the leash for whoever the starter is? Like, I think Arizona is so bad that there's not going to be an issue in that game. Like, of ineptitude, no, not injury. Let's say Jaron Hall yeah. turns the ball over twice. He fumbles, he throws an interception. He's still in. He's, he's, he's the guy, in. he will finish if the game. If he does it four times, okay. he's probably out. But what if Jaron turns the ball over twice against Utah in the first half? He's, then st- he's still the guy. You still think he's, he's the, guy, the guy, even into the Utah game? If he goes to a third one, see ya. Yeah. See, and that's, that's uh, something that's really difficult to balance for an offense corner because you don't want to shake confidence you don't want to come down too hard on them. And Aaron Roderick has said, I'm not a guy that's quick to pull yeah. a guy if you make some mistakes. Therefore, but where is, he'd where get is at the least line? a third turnover. Where Why are we talking about line? turnovers against Utah? I hate it. Because they've devastated I know. BYU. I know. I just hate it. Which is th- why I'm like, Baylor Romney, ball <laughs> distributor, don't turn the ball over. Game manager, maybe that's the key. My my daughter loves vanilla ice cream, right? I'm like, why don't you add some flavor? Why don't I thought, you have I a thought run- you were going to say she loves vanilla ice. She knows ice, ice. But I'm like, why don't you try a different flavor? There are lots of flavors. You know, there are different flavors sure. of quarterback, right? Sure. Baylor is certainly not vanilla, but uh, he has more to him than that. But compared to, say, Jaron's running ability with that, it feels vanilla. It feel- Against Boy State, it was like trick plays. This is what got that win, right? And then Liberty was a tougher game than we thought, a one-score game. Like... I want to see these guys play some more. And guess what? We're going to get it in a couple weeks. We're going to get a full season I love it. of no Tanner Mangum, no Zach Wilson. It's the next era, right? And you only have to wait this many days, people. Countdown to the Wildcats. 18 days. Dude, two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks. This is exciting. I know. Name a starter. <laughs> Let's go, baby. I'm honestly glad that I don't have to make that decision. It really is tough. That, that is so tough because the guys work so hard. It's an emotional thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh. No, so that, that, those two guys are going to be disappointed. Yeah. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Uh, Saturday, the team had a scrimmage at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Neil Powell was involved. I talked to him after that. His journey has been incredible. He's been one of the best, if not the best, receivers in fall camp. Now he's the leader on this team. Here's that conversation. Neil, you look amazing on our countdown to kickoff set. I, do you just want to, you know, after every game, just come on over and sit in that same spot? That looks good to <laughs> this me. This is the first time I've been here, actually. I think I've been so locked into the games, I didn't even know this was here. So We do the yeah, we do the pregame, postgame there for home games, which is pretty cool. And you guys just had a scrimmage at the stadium. I mean, you have a handful of these a year. You have six games. and then So it's always special when you're at the stadium. What was the scrimmage like today? 
it was good. I think uh, we had pretty much about 25 plays were kind of the ones we went thud. Um, and then about 50 plays, uh, the twos and threes, fours, they all uh, went live and stuff. But overall, I thought it was good. I think we remained healthy for the most part. And I think that's the biggest thing uh, leading up to, to Arizona. You said went thud. So you kind of just make that initial contact, but don't wrap up kind of deal. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Is there anyone that when they come, come up to you, you just like give them a little more of a thud? Like you have a friendly <laughs> encounter? I think it probably depends on the play. So if you had gotten someone, I know the running backs, they all kind of watch out for each other. So if a linebacker at the end tries to, you know, does a little more, I know that next play, whoever's in, they try to go after that player or whatever, just to give them <laughs> a little more nudge. But I think us receivers stay calm and cool pretty much for the most part. How'd the scrimmage go? Because here we are three weeks away from today, when the Sarah it's a little bit less than that, uh, from BYU and Arizona, man. I thought it went well. Um, There's a couple penalties, but I think overall, I think as as an offense, we moved the ball uh, really, really well uh, up and down the field. Uh, certain penalties that cost us to move back, which would turn into three points, knowing that Jake's going to knock him down. Uh, but we'd rather have seven up on the board. So I think with these next two scrimmages that we have, we'll clean them up and uh, we'll be ready when the time's, when the time's here. Were the reps among the quarterbacks with the ones still split into three? Yes. So each, each quarterback had their own, whatever their total amount of reps was. And uh, Fessy Narod had them each go with whoever the ones were with the one on line and then me, Gunner, and whoever the third receiver was. A lot of the conversation, obviously, in fall camps about the quarterback. So let's go there for a sec. Is there a point where, as a receiver, you would prefer to know who the guy is or does it not matter? Um, I don't know. We built so much chemistry with Zach that, you know, I felt that – by the time, even when there was some speculation that there was a battle or whatever, we kind of knew that it was Zach. Um, it would be nice to know maybe by next week or something. So, like, the, we have two weeks pretty much to prepare with that one quarterback to know how we like the ball and when we want the ball now compared to, you know, other receivers. They get a better feel for how we work and how we slide and catch the ball. So, um, yeah, I think two weeks before the game would be nice, but knowing Kalani, who knows, you know. You can name names if you want, but uh, earlier in the week, Kalani Sataki said there hasn't been that much separation, but that he thought that that might happen soon. Was yeah. he basically saying, hey, we're going to scrimmage and kind of see? I have no clue. Um, I think I agree with Kalani. There hasn't been much separation. Um, I've texted him at the beginning of camp for just one of them just to go and take it for everybody to see, you know, you're the man. And however it plays out, it plays out. But we know that's uh, – they did everything that they could to just win over the team. So whoever does that, I think that the best, uh, they'll win it. No one's talking about using two quarterbacks, which is a good thing because I, I hate that. I don't know about you. It's like in the past, we've always done it a, a little bit. It never works, man. You got to name a guy, right? <laughs> exactly. I agree with you on that one. <laughs> okay. How are you doing uh, in camp? Because I, I was told by somebody important that, hey, Neil Paulo is the best receiver right now. So that's quite that was quite the compliment. Yeah, I think it's been good. Um, I think with, you know, the two brothers, although I knew kind of my position in the receiver group with the two brothers, them coming, it kind of just raises your level um, of play. Um, had a great offseason, um, just working just working out, working on what I need to do, and then watching a ton of film I think was probably the biggest thing. So coming into fall camp, I haven't really seen anything new, watching defenses from the NFL on how certain receivers run it against, you know, DBs in the league. Um, I've kind of translated that to college where college is a little uh, 
uh, a little simpler. So the game's moving a little slow to me right now uh, compared to the past where it's moving a little faster. And because of COVID, you're not a senior, you're a junior, which is exciting. Yeah. Like, like yeah. when you first showed up, it was 2017, Portland State. You make a great yeah. move. You dive into the end zone. You score a touchdown. You're not sure if you fumbled it, so you dive on it after that. <laughs> but, like, that was, that was four years ago in yeah. a couple of weeks. Like, you've had this awesome journey. And, of course, your journey has been one of redemption, of, of what, you know, a mistake and coming back. I've always really respected you, Neil. For the fact that you were still around, you didn't leave, you didn't sulk, you didn't hide, you were around. What? How has this journey been for you of going through that, coming back, and now being one of the main guys and a leader in this group? I think it's cool. I think I'll have some time to reflect on it when you know football's all done and said. But um, you know, you do have those moments where you do look back and just super grateful. I think is the biggest thing for me. Um, for Fessy sticking with me because me and Fessy had our ups and downs. When he first got in, um, me and my parents, just what I was doing, we had our ups and downs for all of it to come back and, you know, come full circle to where now I'm in a great relationship with, you know, both Fessy, my parents, my family, but most importantly, myself. I feel like I've been in the best uh, mindset and mind frame going into the season. So I'm excited to see what the season has in store um, to put myself in the best position also for hopefully next year I can do exactly what, you know, Dax did. And that's sort of the goal, right? He paved the way of like totally off the NFL radar yeah. to totally on it and being drafted. So what did you learn from the Dax experience that makes it so you feel like you could have a similar year? Yeah, me and Dax are boys. And I think I was the closest to Dax um, out of the receiver group. Um, and me and him just love talking football. Um, so and him just taking his craft super seriously, even during practice and even when he didn't want to be out there. He just, you know, put his helmet, strapped it up, and just went. So I think that's probably the biggest thing I took from Dax. He just continued just to grind, grind and grind from walk-on to now scholarship. And then um, putting aside off-the-field situations with his mom, knowing that's that whole story with him to just come and just play football. It's time to play football, play football, and categorize certain things. So Dax is my boy, and uh, just thankful for learning those things from him. It was fun to see him get a couple of catches, have a great punt return the other night. That was pretty cool. Oh, it was. <laughs> okay, so tell me about this group of receivers. You mentioned the Nakua's come in. Obviously, Gunner's back. There's some really talented young guys that are developing as well. Chase Roberts back from a mission. You know, like if Chase in a regular year, I feel like Chase Roberts would get like a ton of run this year. Yeah. But I feel like it's a loaded room where he can actually just kind of figure it out and then be a big player in the next couple of years. What, what's that room like? As, as you mentioned, that could be a threatening thing to like your own playing time, but it feels like it's not with the group. It feels like, no, we're going to be way good together. Yeah, I think that's because of the, the culture that Kalani has set uh, that, you know, obviously everybody wants to play, but because the culture is so strong, everyone's uh, pretty friendly. Not going to lie. We all just are trying to support each other. And obviously there'll be bummed whoever's out there with me and Gunner come Arizona and who's getting more playing time and stuff. Uh, but I think for the most part, we do a great job of just supporting each other when people make big catches. Tanner Wall and Talmadge Gunther, they had some big-time catches today. Um, and we were all just, like, super, super happy for them. So I think that's the, the group right now and how the room's been. Are you guys still riding the high of the NIL walk-on thing? Because that made this amazing splash nationally. Yeah, I think, uh, I think yesterday was kind of like the last bit of it. 
um, or maybe when it happened that day, I think guys are just, you know, it happened. It was, it was super dope. Obviously everybody was super excited, but now it's just time to get back to work. Okay. So no, it's the answer. Uh, <laughs> defensively who sticks out. That's sort of emerged as a guy that maybe last year we weren't talking about, but that you've noticed on the other end, like, Oh, they're way, they're really good. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd mentioned D'Lo. There's someone I probably would just give it to the linebackers. The linebackers just seem like they're everywhere from Max Tooley to, to Peyton to Keenan Peely. Um, trying to trick them for offenses, opposing offenses, I think will be pretty tough because those guys can move. They're smooth, fast, love the game of football and understand it super well. So I think that whole group as a whole um, will be tough to, tough to go against. Let's finish with this. Uh, everyone, you know, there's love languages. Everyone wants like two of that. There's a book about it, right? Yeah. Everyone wants words or, or, you know, validation, words of affirmation, right? Everyone wants that to some degree. With you, it's interesting. You have done nothing to not deserve more conversation about you, right? Yeah. But last year, the conversation is around Dax and it's Gunner. And it's like, there's Neil, Mr. Consistent. How much do you want or need that? to thrive personally versus, you know what? It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. I think from high school, um, I really wasn't the, obviously the biggest recruit and I'm not the type of person that seeks that or needs that really. Uh, I think I'm pretty self-driven to know that, you know, that stuff will come. Um, and if I just stay even keel, keep my head down, uh, just to follow, stay on task and uh, stay on course. I think everything will come. I think every, everyone's journey is a little different. And Dex had his a little sooner than mine. And, you know, if this is the year that mine finally happens out of these, you know, four years, then so be it. Um, but I think there's just a time and place for things to happen. And, um, I'm just excited to see what the, what the future holds. Well, I love that attitude. And honestly, you, you are underrated. Um, and the fact that you're playing so well and now you're even more of a leader in this group with a better group, right? Is, is awesome. I can't wait to see you in this group play this year and uh, appreciate you taking the time. Man. No, thank you. We'll be ready uh, tomorrow. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. BYU Basketball they want some of the headlines today. We talked about their game that's scheduled with Oregon already. They've announced and reported their yeah. conference schedule. Send Jared. me to this one. Okay. <laughs> right? Let's go. Hey, you, you look at the schedule, brother. Do you think that this is uh, a friendly net-building resume potential that BYU has? Well, let's look at BYU. What's been announced or reportedly uh, you know, set out there. Okay, so three home games. This is Vanquish Photos compiled this. Thank you, Robbie and company. San Diego State, November 12th. Love that's, it. That's great. Utah State at home. Texas Southern, reportedly. And then away at Utah. That's locked in, announced. Uh, Weber State. And then Utah Valley. Okay, neutral site. Three at the Diamond Head Classic. We know the opponents as well for those. Creighton, great game. In Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Yep. And then uh, Oregon in Portland. Okay, and then Iona might be on there. Coach Rick Pitino uh, in March said this is going to be in Madison Square Garden. So we'll see. So that's 12. So BYU would only need, if all of those are happening, three more. Okay. And I'm, so, I'm seeing, like, 
four or five tournament teams on that schedule. So t- quad one or two type games. Um, San Diego State. Oregon. Um, Creighton. Oregon. Creighton. And then you're hoping like one of the Diamond Head. Yes. Top 50 team. Um, Even Iona. Yeah. Iona was and a then, tournament team last year. They were a quad two team. Yeah, hopefully they're that good. And if it's neutral site, they're not going to be top 50. So it would probably be quad three in that case. Um, so, yeah, you add in uh, you know an improved St. Mary's and then, of course, Gonzaga. And that feels like it's a good enough schedule to get you into the dance and maybe a single-digit scene. So, yeah, I like it. Maybe one more game. Again, I want to repeat this because I always get responses like this. Wait, why do you want a tough men's basketball schedule? Because there's value in well, the schedule is valued. Can Utah be a top 75 team? It's a true road game. Yeah, with Craig Smith, I think they're going to be better. And that's a quad one game? Then that could be a quad one game, yeah. Right. It's a quad two at a minimum, I would think. Hopefully, it's On the quad road, one. it have to be 135 yeah. on the road. Yeah. Utah's going to be a top 135 team with the new head coach. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so far so good. So only three, it looks like. Uh, non-conference games to, to be announced. Okay. So that'll be good. Yeah, you know, Diamond Head's good. It's not one of the better attorneys, but it, you, you can get some quality out of that. Right. I feel it's like BYU's done enough yeah. around the Diamond Head that yes. it's okay. It doesn't beat, like, nothing tops Maui. Just Maui's the best. And you can only be in that, like, once every four years or something. Um, and BYU will be in that consistently, it seems like. So that's good. Um, Texas Southern is a team that always makes attorney as well. Yes, as a 16 They'll be like a quad three or four. What they do is they just play like 11 or 15 tough games or whatever, and then they go win their league, and then they make the dance. And they get battle-tested They pay for everything um, in the athletic department. Remember, there are some schools that don't have football. I can't remember if Texas Southern has football or not, but the men's basketball team has to make the money for uh, the athletic department as much as possible. See Gonzaga for this one as well. I, I like it. Yeah, you're playing the in-state games, which is great. You're playing, what, four of those? Um, you know, that's probably a good number. UVU, of course, that's great. At UVU, Mark Pope back at UVU. That's going to be a fun fun uh, contest there. And then, uh, yeah, Creighton is the sneaky awesome game on is that Is that one. your number one game in the non-conference thus far? Uh, that or Oregon. Yeah, but, like, Creighton, what, made the Sweet 16 last year or something? Um, Oregon's always, always good. At hoops, so I'm I'm excited. Spencer Johnson's brother is coming back from a mission. I think he'll be on that roster. I think I'll have to check that, but that'll be a fun little storyline in that one too. Who's the Creighton coach? McDermott. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Doug McBucket's dad. Yep. Creighton's got a great program. They're fantastic, and uh, they're just going to go you know north a bit to South Dakota. That'll be super random, right? Like he's playing in South Dakota against Creighton. Um, that's a quad one game. Creighton will be a top fifty team. That's quad one, man. Um, what what we've needed from BYU is like what three quad ones in non conference. So I think you get it in Oregon, Creighton, and then TBD on San Diego State, Utah, uh, and then TBD three other teams. So if BYU can have four quad one games in the non conference because you get two with Gonzaga, and at, then and then one with St. Mary's at on the road. Least hopefully, one with St. Mary's, if not more, like. And then maybe maybe there are two more quad ones in the tournament in Las Vegas. Right, right. So uh, we have nine, you're talking about nine quad ones. Now you're into the dance if you go four and five. Yes, three and six sometimes gets yep. you in. Um, so so far so good. Yeah, load it up, baby. Load it up. More good games in men's hoops because there's value. There, there's value in a tough schedule. Yeah, so I'm going to start putting the football teams in the quadrants. I'm doing. I'm, this is the year. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio.
This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Former BYU wide receiver Ross Oppo is joining BYU Sports Nation. It has been a while, Ross. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. We have uh, watched closely as you've been working with a handful of great receivers on your social media platforms, including some BYU guys. So let's clear the air a little bit and, and get into the details of that. Who specifically have you been working with over this past offseason to help them get ready for the 2021 season? Um, as far as the BYU guys go, um, you know, I've worked with, with Buka, Samson, um, uh, seen Keanu Hill. Um, actually, was working with some of the defensive guys. Um, as Robertson Daniels was working with them, I'd, I'd go and uh, do some releases with uh, with the, the defensive guys, um, Talmadge Gunther. Um, gosh, there's there's so many other guys there, but uh, yeah, so there's been a handful of a uh, handful of BYU guys. So you're working with receivers and DBs. What exactly are you coaching them up on? Um, and so what what we did um, this was kind of middle of the summer. We were just doing like top end routes. Um, and then the releases at the line, um, kind of the, the the two most important parts. Um, just getting off the ball, working on uh, you know giving giving moves, uh, taking different lanes, making things look like uh, like something they're they're not, um, and just so just getting open, creating separation. Um, those are the biggest things uh, that we work on. Just small pieces of the game. So, is this a full time pursuant? Of uh, of becoming a skills coach, Ross, you want to make football like your life for the time being. Um, it, it is my life right now for the time being. Um, I, I was in mortgage, um, and sitting at a desk was tough. And I, I just was like, man, I, I've been doing football my whole life. Um, you know, growing up in Texas, I I, I watch football, you know, as as much as I can, and um, to just have it be done was was tough. And so, um, you know, I. I went to the field to to actually run and seen some guys there. And one guy was in a three point stance <laughs> at receiver, <laughs> and I started helping him. And, and that's when I stumbled across yeah. And that's when I stumbled across some of uh, some other receivers. And then um, from there, it just caught fire. And um, I've been doing this full time for for about almost two years now. Um, but I've been doing this uh, doing training for about four ish. Yeah. So, so it took a little while to, to go full-time, but now this is what I spend my days doing. So get to see my, my baby girl and, and my wife a lot a lot more. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Ross Oppel with us on BYU Sports Nation. Please tell me that no BYU receivers have gotten down in a three-point stance. I, was that Britton Covey? <laughs> no, no, it, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> no, de- definitely not any of the BYU receivers. Um I think that that uh, that that room they they have nothing to worry about over there. Um, you just got to get the the ball out the QB's hands and you'll be fine. Uh, that's a, a stacked room right there, and then the room right next to him with the tight ends, another good room. It is right. So let's talk about the receivers specifically. Obviously, you've worked with a couple of these guys, but tell us what you've learned about Puka and Sampson, Keanu Hill, and Talmadge Gunther, and some of these guys that makes this room special because I think it was upgraded from last year, despite losing a thousand yard NFL receiver. Yeah. Um, I think, I think just the, uh, they're, they're really competitive. Um, you know, even though they're on the same team, they, they understand that only, only two to three can play, you know, given there's a tight end on the field. Um, and so they, they're, they're all pushing each other to the limits. Um, uh, 
you know, I'd hate, I'd hate to be, uh, I'd hate to be a position coach right now having to choose um, because it's, it's literally going to come down to the last day of camp. And so the, the biggest thing is, is these guys are, are competitive, they're dogs um, and it shows. And so I'm, I'm really excited to watch the, watch the receivers and the offense play this year. Okay. Puka and Samson specifically, what makes these guys special in your opinion? Um, they're fiery, <laughs> super fiery. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it might be taken, um, you know, maybe aggressive or, or, or violent by other people. But, uh, I, I think the, the fire they bring, the attitude they bring, um, you know, it's going to be different. Those type of things, um, pass on to other players. And so just, you know, not even anything to do with the football. It's just the, the demeanor that they bring um, to the field when they, when they step on the field it is, uh, is really fired. And then Keanu Hill, you got to rep your Texas guy, right? Um, he's a guy we've oh, seen man. a little bit. He's caught a touchdown pass or two. He could, he could be a stud here uh, maybe this year or the next year. What do you think of his skills? Yeah, um, he, man, he's, he's another stud. Uh, he's another 6'4 guy, 6'4, maybe like 210. Um, and, and he can run. Um, I know we, we, we worked a lot on his cuts, um, just getting in and out of his cuts uh, as a bigger guy. Um, those are tougher things to do. And so we spent a lot of the offseason working on his cuts. Um, but he, I mean, he's another guy that can play a lot. Um, there, there's just so many guys there. Um, doesn't matter if it's first, second, or third string. Whoever's in um, is going to cause some problems. Former BYU wide receiver Ross Oppel on BYU Sports Nation. He's working with wide receivers and defensive backs to help the Cougars get ready for the 2021 season. A name we haven't mentioned in this interview yet is Neil Pau. And according to some high-level sources within the BYU coaching staff, he might be the most complete, impressive receiver in camp right now. What do you think of Neil Pau? Uh, I like Neil. Um, he reminds me of one of my old teammates, Cody Hoffman. Um, Neil, he, uh, man, <laughs> another big receiver, another guy that can run. Uh, you know, he had big plays last year. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not sure how his injury is that he had. But um, if he's past it, uh, I mean, that's just going to be another guy that um, these receivers have to beat out to get some playing time. How about Gunnar Romney? He's the incumbent, you know, returner in, in yards. And you look at FBS, 19.7 yards per catch. He's a returner in the country in yards per catch, minimum 30 uh, receptions. So Spencer called him the wow. best receiver between the twos last year because he had a hard time actually getting into the end zone. But uh, yeah. I think he's going to break out this year for at least six touchdowns. What do you think? I, I think so, um, at, at least six. Um, he, he's, he's fun to watch. Um, and and um, I'll say it again, <laughs> another 6'4 guy is crazy. Like across <laughs> the board, it's, it's going to be huge guys that, uh, that can catch the ball and that can run. Um, and, and they and they can all run routes too, so it, it's uh, it's a pretty crazy combination. Usually, when you get the bigger guys, um, it's usually just like go routes. Um, you know, the the big face passes where you know you just throw it up in the air, they jump up and catch it. But these guys can run curls, they can run outs. Um, you know, they can take a slant to the house. Um, so the 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 receiving core is impressive. I think Gunner's going to have a a good season. We asked another of your teammates, Mitch Matthews, this question last week, but I want to ask it to you as well. How do you keep all of these wide receivers happy, Ross? Um, I, I, I just have to do a good job. Um, I have to take my time. Uh, make sure, you know, make sure that, that these guys are, are progressing and that they can see the progress. Make sure the parents can see the progress and, 
Uh, most of all, make sure that the coaches, um, you know, that control the playing time can see the progress. So it, it, it is a tough, um, uh, if I want to call it a job, it is a little bit tough, um, you know, sharing all the attention and, and staying locked in for hours at a time, uh, making sure that I get the max maximum amount of effort from the guys. But um, I, I, this is what I've done growing up. Uh, I've been training my whole life um, since I was a kid. And so th- this isn't anything, uh, anything different for me. Um, and I think I was put on this earth to, to do, to do this. <laughs> so, uh, it's hard to keep everybody pleased, but, um, it's, it's definitely doable if you, if you put the effort in. Okay. So you've got a tough job working with these guys, but are there enough passes to go around to keep all of the guys happy on the field once the games start? Um, that, well, that's between them and their quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's what we call the uncontrollables. <laughs> your, your job is just to run and get open. If the ball comes to you, then you make a play. If it doesn't come to you, then then you know you can't control that. And so um, it, it does it, it does get a little crazy um, when I have uh, receivers that play on the same team um, because some of them will try to sneak in behind their teammates' back. Uh, usually they you know they ride together, but this day this guy drove by himself, and I'm like, <laughs> hey, where's so much going? Oh no, he, he he didn't want to come today. He was just tired. He's sleeping, and so the the guys are pretty funny in that regard. That does happen sometimes. Ross, it's great to talk with you, man. I'm not sure why we waited so long. We won't wait so long next time. Let's uh, do this again soon. For sure, for sure. Thank you guys for having me. You got it, Ross Oppel, former BYU wide receiver. He is working as a skills coach with several of the BYU receivers and helping out the defensive backs as well. You know, it's fun. Uh, Margin Hooks is doing this as well with some of the guys in Texas, which is super fun. So I, l- I love having the former guys involved. Like Jordan Pendleton helps work out a lot of the guys in the offseason, strength and conditioning. It's fun to have the program spread beyond the program. Yes. Will. It's awesome. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. The 94th Utah Open Golf Tournament is being played here in Provo at Riverside Country Club just down the street. Among the participants is CBS analyst and former Cowboys quarterback Tony Romo. Romo is known for calling out what's going to happen before it does on broadcast, a football analyst seer of sorts. He commented on Zach Wilson saying some flattering things yesterday. Here's what he said. I think you guys don't quite know how good this kid is. I think he is super rare. I think you just, I think you're going to be watching, I think he's like a young Dan Marino. And for people, you know, that are a little bit older who saw Marino when he came out in the 80s, people forget like Marino was the guy in the 80s. And then it morphed into Montana and winning all the Super Bowl stuff. But it was like, you know how Rodgers has all the talent stuff, right? And Brady's like Montana. And then Elway came on, right? I just think that Zach has rare ability and that literally I've watched him in his first preseason game and like maybe four other plays. But I can see certain things and he has a couple of special traits that God doesn't give those gifts to very many people. And I think uh, without knowing him, but, uh, you know, he's like uh, what I think he is, a hard worker and cares and loves the sport. The ceiling is crazy high for this kid. I mean, Patrick Mahomes crazy levels, which is saying a lot. 
Wow, 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 as Carla just said in the uh, soundbite a moment ago for soccer. Uh, that's quite the statement from one Tony uh, Romanowski, as uh, one of my friends likes to call him. Does Tony Romo love Zach Wilson more than we do, Jason? I don't know if he loves him more than we do, but I'm going to assume that his opinion is going to carry more weight than ours will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Look, that is about as high a praise for Zach Wilson, as we have heard or you will probably ever hear. Here's what stands out to me about not just what Tony Romo said, but we have heard others say similar things, other players in the NFL. And I remember even asking John Beck, who we've obviously had on this show a lot, it pro day, I asked him specifically, Zach is getting compared to some greats, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. Is that fair? And he didn't back away from it. He's like, yeah, it's fair. This is What stands out to me is that we're hearing more and more of this. People are not backing away from these types of comparisons. That's what stands out to me. And when you have guys like Tony Romo that come out and compare him to Dan Marino and Patrick Mahomes and guys like that, after, and, and Tony even mentioned it, he's seen him in his preseason series, which was what, two in the first? It was six of nine passing. Okay, so six of nine Plus and four, four other, other plays. plays. So, so we're talking maybe 13 passes. Less than 15 plays. And Tony Romo, with his very careful eye, is concluded that <laughs> that is such high praise from Tony Romo. That's and, like- because it's, it's, and because it's positive for Zach Wilson, I believe 100%. <laughs> Tony Romo's. Um- Quick, quick take on uh, Zach Wilson is like a return missionary trying to get married after a mission. <laughs> like, whoa, slow down. Uh, no, Tony Romo has an eye for this. And he, like I mentioned, he's famous for kind of knowing what's going to happen yes. in a play. We're sort of applying it in this way. This is quite the statement. The other, the other biggest fanboy in the national media of, of Zach Wilson is the anti-Colin Coward, uh, is Chris Sims. Chris Sims called his shot. He said he's the best quarterback in the draft. He's, be- he's even better than Trevor Lawrence. It's like, whoa! Um, so what, what Tony Romo is saying is pretty notable. Um, the 13 passes thing is pretty crazy. Like, <laughs> he hasn't seen a ton of Zach. But, but he's, I'm sure he's talked to people around the league, and yeah. obviously he's going to be calling a, a couple of Jets games probably this year. So this is going to be interesting. I, I, love, I loved what's happening. The, it's very fun. The only issue is those comparisons are pretty lofty, right? Like, when I look at Zach Wilson and I see the Jets logo next to it, my heart sinks a little bit <laughs> because the Jets suck. Like, the Jets have not been good. The Jets have not been good for a while. They got to a couple of AFC Championship games like a decade ago with Mark Sanchez, who was okay. They had a great defense, right? Good run game. Hopefully that's what the Jets can do because we know that Zach's skills are really good. Like, he has, next, he has, a, he has a plus arm. He has an NFL arm. He has an NFL mind. All these things. It's going to be exciting to see what he can do. If he if he gets them to a Super Bowl at all, like they'll build him a statue. They really will. Like it'll be Joe Namath and then Zach Wilson <laughs> with the Jets, right? Because they're not, like name the Jets quarterbacks besides Joe Namath that did anything. Like nobody. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's my only hesitation with with the whole Zach Wilson thing is, gosh, the Jets have historically not been able to do it. Hopefully they overcome that. Hopefully they're way better than they have been. And I like the direction they're going. We're hoping it all works out for Zach. Uh, but, yeah, Tony Romo does love him some Zach Wilson. And he, does, he doesn't love him more than us. We love Zach. Yes. He's our guy. 
we've seen him mature from the skinny kid from Draper to number two pick to hanging out with Aaron Rodgers. Like this has been a fun journey for all of us with Zach, but I hope that he can overcome the team he's on. Yes, Tony Romo is here currently in the Provo area, but there's no reason for him to put himself out there like that with comments so definitive about what he believes Zach Wilson is capable of because he doesn't know him. He said he doesn't know. He doesn't have a relationship yeah. with Zach Wilson. They have not met. They had, who know? I don't know if they've ever even spoke. Therefore, he could speak a little more openly. So, but but there's no reason for him to go that far if he doesn't believe that. And the fact that he has said that, and again, I go back to one of my original points: people are not backing away from these comparisons. In fact, you're starting to hear more and more of these that, yeah, he does have the traits of a Patrick Mahomes. Now, the Dan Marino thing we've never heard before. Dan that Marino, was a comparison we have not heard. I think he's saying – I don't think he's saying he's Dan Marino in the way he plays because he didn't chuck it as hard or as far. But um, maybe what he's saying with, with Dan Marino is Dan Marino was the next guy that came down the line. So he's like the Aaron Rodgers, the Patrick Mahomes, the da 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 Maybe he's not those guys, but he's like the next big Well, and it's, it's the quick release. It's the way the I'm ball saying. comes out of his hand. That's what he was really comparing him to. Because I – okay. I, mean, cool. the, the, I, I disagree. I think he's more Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes in the release. But Tony Romo does know way more than I do. Okay, great. I, I just think it's I – think, I love the fact that, that Zach Wilson and therefore then BYU is getting this type of – of publicity, it's it really is. You know, we joked yesterday, uh, you know, about Scarlett Johansson naming naming their daughter, you know, uh, or excuse me, their son Cosmo. You know, it's it's just a lot. It's it's a funny thing that we can play off of after such a great year. It's like last year just keeps getting better. Not only do you have the eleven and one season, but you have Zach being the number two pick, and now people talking about Zach Wilson and BYU, and now you're having these comparisons. I love the spotlight that this has put on the BYU football program. Oh, yeah, it's been a fun way for sure. And uh, sadly, it took a pandemic to do it, right, uh, for the schedule to blow up and the whole deal. But BYU's taking advantage of the moment, and, and that's been awesome to see. See, BYU sees the moment. Sometimes I felt like BYU has kind of waited to see what the right move is. And a lot of times that's the right move. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes you got to jump in and, and excel. BYU did that with the pandemic, yeah. and to its credit, which has been which has been awesome. BYU's done that with NIL, just dominated it. Like no school has dominated NIL like BYU right now. So BYU's on this amazing little run of maybe it's long run of thriving in the pandemic, the NFL draft, the season, the rankings, the preseason, NIL, recruiting. Nakua's coming in. Da da da. It's going really well. You always got to continue to win and get at least nine wins to make it so it's a relevant season. Hey, go beat Utah in that streak. It's over. Whatever. Go win nine games. Maybe finish rank. Who knows? Keep this going because I don't want it to. And then Zach Wilson's success in the NFL directly ties to the perception of BYU's program. No question. It, and again, we got to give Zach like two to three years, right, to really figure this out. Um, and. Hopefully he'll get a chance to do so with the Jets. Well, and I, I think one of the things that's that's fun about this, and I, I don't think that Zach is one of those guys, and based off of how we know him, I, I, he seems to be able to put things aside and focus on what's important. So 
whether, whether he's paying attention to this or not, I, I want to put you in his shoes. Yeah. It's great to have these comparisons. While I'm but do rich. You, but do you want them? While I'm rich. Do you want them because of the added pressure and expectations that come with them? When you're good at something, I'm guessing when he's good at something, he's like, listen, I'm going to prepare that much harder so right. I can execute this. Like his, his sort of brashness and perception of cockiness that's more from high school, not BYU, by the way, is born of uh, just perception. His preparation is excellent. Yes. Like, like you're, I believe when I go into a game as a play-by-play, that's the only comp I can make in my field. I'm not as good of an athlete, right? Is I'm only going to be as good as my preparation he prepares really well, really well, not to mention the skills. Like, think of how he's developed from freshman. Um, oh, he's compared to Johnny Manziel, blah, blah, blah. He's not even close to Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel didn't make the throws that Zach was making. Yes, Johnny Manziel won the Heisman and was incredible in college. But Zach is a more prepared and better. He's going to be a better pro. It's going to be awesome. So, yeah, it would, it would, uh, it, would I want the pressure of that? I'm a competitor. Yeah, bring it on. Let's go. Am I going to be those guys? No, I'm going to be myself. But I'm, a, I'm okay if you think that I have high capability. That's fine. Now that you have 22 point whatever million. 23 and a half. 23 and a half. Don't excuse me. Is, is lunch on you today now? Because I have bestowed that upon you. Yeah. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Firehouse. We love us some Marvel on this program. Disney Plus's new show as of last week, episode two dropped today. Don't tell me anything. I'm going to watch it later with the fam. Called What If? In Marvel, if one moment had changed, the ripple effect that it would have on the rest of that storyline and that character, right? So we have a little fun today with that in BYU Sports History. What's the greatest what if in BYU Sports History? It's also our question of the day. Weigh in on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To me... First, when we talked about this, the first thing that jumped in my mind was, what if Brandon Davies played in the 2011 NCAA tournament? I feel like that's what a lot of people are going to go to. I I, think we all wonder, right? Is BYU making the Final Four? Yes. It feels like they probably would have. Yeah. Do you think we we win, too? Do you think we win? I believe Duke beat Butler, right? Was that that year? Um, Let's just say yes. Or was that a year or two before? Yes, that one's hard. That one's hard, right? Obviously, uh, Brandon Davies uh, you know, sits out the last couple of games of the regular season. BYU is a three seed, goes to the Sweet 16, loses in double OT to Florida Yeah, in New Orleans. The, the, that would have been fun. The Jimmer, the Jimmer mania. Yep. The, I mean, that was that, a fun ride regardless, but it could have been more fun. Look, oh, and, and speak, you know, speaking of Jimmer and, and the NIL, like, I've heard a lot of people say that Jimmer wouldn't have, like, wouldn't have made millions of dollars. Oh, no, that, it might have been tens of millions then, if that's what is being said. So, well, I've, I've heard that that people, like people, have said he wouldn't he wouldn't make that much, which I think is crazy. Well, no, stop reading, <laughs> stop reading Cougar Board. Okay, um, one, one I want to bring up that you and we, we have a ton of them um, is one that I know you and I have talked about. What if Taysom Hill never got hurt, like a single time? Man, we'd have like three. We'd have like three rings right now. He he might be Nationals. on. The, he might Nationals. be on the Mount Rushmore BYU quarterback <laughs> because I mean, some people might even put him on there anyway. But if he never gets hurt, homie has like four thousand rushing yards. Yeah, probably at BYU because he had thirteen hundred as a sophomore. What, what, what was the year when he was getting all the the Heisman uh, going uh, junior year twenty fourteen? Yeah, and they were four and zero. BYU might go undefeated that year. No, oh, no, 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 they will. There's they, only they three Power Fives on that schedule. That's why. They, um, I, th- I think they, they would have, man. That 2014 would have validated independence in a way that didn't until last year, right? Um, 
that that's one. What if the Lavelle Edwards decided he wouldn't throw the ball? Like that decision changed the course of this university forever. Think about all the quarterbacks. Think about all the all quarterbacks. The, all Zach, the great think, offensive coordinators. Where would Zach be right now? Probably still be in Zach would have gone to Boise State. Still would have been in school. He would have gone to Boise State. <laughs> what yeah. if Zach Wilson had actually gone to Utah? They probably would have put him at safety. <laughs> uh, at CL underscore living. What if Lavelle had decided to keep with the single wing instead of adopting a passing game? Yeah. Yeah, Lavelle Edwards' decision, right, to pass the ball changed uh, the course of history. I, I, like, I, like, uh, I like this one. Um, what if BYU was invited to the Pac-12 in 2011 or in the 60s? Okay, the 60s, let's talk about it. Arizona and Arizona State are added in the late 60s to the Pac-8, making it the Pac-10 okay. for a long time, right? Yep. But yeah, what if it wasn't Colorado, they stayed in the Big 12, and it was BYU with Utah? We'd be, that would have changed a lot of things. E- e- everything. You, w- you would have missed the Pac-12 by a year, by the way. Ev- ev- <laughs> I would have registered it. Your senior year? Yep. That happened with yeah, I was thinking about doing it. I was thinking about redshirting. Really? Because Bronco had announced that you know we were going independent. And I you remember excited about it? when he – well, even on top of that, Joe, my cousin, um, he was there on his recruiting really? trip. Really? I didn't know that. He was on his recruiting trip. So, yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's my cousin. That's my cousin. Uh, shout out to Rancheritos. But look, <laughs> he was there as well. So I was like, yo, I think I should really redshirt because I, you know, I could get – Another year, and he, and the biggest thing with me was the TV contract. So I was like, "What?" You're excited playing about to be on Espen every week. I, somebody kicked me down the stairs so I can get hurt. <laughs> you you joke. Uh, who was it? Preston Hadley at Weaver State fell down the stairs at Weaver State oh, at Southern Utah as a coach. Really hurt his ankle. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's too soon, know. man. It's been like five years. My bad, Preston. <laughs> uh, what if, I brought this up before, but what if the Pioneers never left back east and stayed in either New York, Ohio, Missouri, or Illinois? Would BYU be in the MAC? Would BYU be in the Big Ten? Uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't think BYU would I wouldn't have attended no school in the you, east. You wouldn't have gone? Nope, too cold. Here's another one. What if Brian Logan was 6'2"? <laughs> would you have played in the NFL? Yep. You think so? Yeah, easily. The only thing that held you back was the perception of hype being held against you. Yeah, that or that I was really short, shorter than. That's what I. That's what I just said, right? Okay, <laughs> um, here's here's one that uh, you know the ASB might be interested in. What if there was no honor code? I don't think that BYU would be BYU, obviously, without an honor code. I think that because there's been an honor code, BYU's been what what it is. Yeah. Obviously, there are things within the honor code that are fun to discuss, but. Uh, I think it would be interesting uh, to think about that. That's a what if. I, I, almost, I almost think that, that a certain student and a certain student athlete sometimes comes here because they want to be at BYU with said honor code. I, so almost, it's, it's I almost think the, like the brand wouldn't be as strong as it is. I agree. It, at, at all. Because regardless if you agree with the honor code or not, want to live it or not, that is something that separates you know, BYU from yes. almost every college, right? For better or worse. And those that, of your opinion. And those that want to be here want to be here. And those that don't aren't, right? Right. So it is what it is. Uh, what if Riley Nelson had found Cody Hoffman against Notre Dame in, in uh, 2012? Man. That's, Notre Dame was undefeated. That, those are one of them plays that really, that's like, mm, that, that just hurts you. Like, yeah. Oof. Mm. Yeah. What if, what, if, uh, what if Colby Claussen doesn't knock out Sam Bradford? Do you still win the game against Oklahoma in 09? Negative. <laughs> you think <laughs> no, Oklahoma no, wins? No, I'm just playing. We win. I think, think you still I think, win. I think we still win. Yeah. And, and, and the, the main reason why was because 
our defensive scheme was was really good um, in regards to um, disguising our blitzes and really showing a lot of different fronts and confusion. So much to where the very next week we had, I don't know, maybe like 10 NFL teams coming that, that came to practice. Yep, serious. Came to practice and they said specifically, what play was that on the blitz that got uh, Sam Bradford hurt? What was that play? Mm. This is the game. Do you remember the play? Nope. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, I remember. And that's why you're not a quarterback. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Gunnar Romney is, of all the re- returning receivers in FBS that caught at least 30 passes last year, highest yards per catch average of anybody, 19.7. Uh, Zach Wilson isn't back there. He's going to have a different quarterback. But he was awesome last year. He's going to try and get in the end zone a little more than those two touchdowns. I'm calling for six-plus this year. Why not he seven? W- make it seven-plus. Uh, six-plus uh, would be seven. So there you go. <laughs> Here's a one-on-one with Spencer Linton and Gunnar Romney. Gunnar, how is life as a newly married man amidst training camp at BYU? Man, I don't know how I did fall camp when I was single. You know, I, I go home and I spend like a half hour with my wife and then I go to sleep. So, I mean, it must have been pretty boring, pretty boring life when I was single out there. But, you know, it's, it's good. It's, it's super busy, but, you know, you got to keep the wife happy, too. So is this the secret ingredient that you've been missing to get into the end zone more? You just needed to get married. Maybe this is what's going to push you into the end zone some more. You know, hopefully, hopefully I can, it somehow springs me one yard forward, but I mean, I guess we'll wait till season to find that out. If, if, if that's the secret ingredient. Fair enough. Now uh, you and I, the other day were joking offline a little bit about a report that surfaced on social media that you were the starting quarterback projected for BYU. Uh, we know that's, not the case, or is it the case, Gunner? Is BYU no. hiding some from us? No, far from it. If if I'm the quarterback, then sorry, we're we're not going to win a single game this year. I I hate to break it to BYU fans, but no, that's that's not me. I I can't I can't throw a ball into an ocean if I was standing in a rowboat. Let's just say that. Wow. Okay. Some downright honesty. I appreciate that. Okay, we'll get to the quarterback situation in just a moment with you out of it, of course. And fortunately for you, you've been a very productive receiver for BYU and looking to take that next step this year. What have you been working on specifically this offseason to try and better your own personal game? Um, for me, I'm, I've just been working on uh, you know separation. I've been working on different release packages off the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, and just trying to be more physical. I mean, I've, I've said this every single year, but trying to get bigger and faster. And I feel like I have progressed every single year. And so I'm just trying to take that next step um, and, you know, create more separation in my short game. I think last year I was a big part, big part of the offense and explosive plays and, and, you know, taking the top off the defense. But this year I want to be that all around guy that we can go to on any down um, and, you know, be able to create separation at any level. Love it. Gunnar Romney is with us on BYU Sports Nation. What's the best part of the wide receiver room right now, collectively? Um, the best part is just the depth, how many people we have there. Um, you know, we have at every single position, whether it's the X, Z, F, you know, inside slot. 
we have we have people that can play everywhere um and so many different body types so many different you know we have a bunch of big guys you know we got like neil and keanu and and you know samson nakua that that are that are big dudes that can create mismatches on the outside we also have tons of you know smaller bodies that are that are quick that can create separation and so i think just the variety and and the the sheer numbers of people we have on the field i think it's going to create a lot of problems for defenses if the atmosphere is different in the room right now, how so compared to what it was last year? Yeah, no, last year, I think it was, it was uh, me, Neil and Dax. And I think that was, it was kind of solidified as, as those were the guys, but this year, I, I think it's everything's amped up a little bit more because we don't know what the rotation is going to be like. We don't know if there's going to be four or five guys that are rotating throughout, or if it's going to be, um, you know, just like two or three guys, like it was last year. So, so I think there's a lot of, competition in the room and i think a lot of people are fighting because they want to they want to play and they want to get some time um they want to make their way into that starting that starting role and so i think just the 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 intensity is for sure amped up how has that impacted your role and maybe your own personal status um for me i i love it i love the competition you know it helps me not get complacent um and i feel like it's it's been a big opportunity for me to step up as a veteran and as a leader um, to, to help guys that want to get better and that want to push it. I'm just trying to be unselfish and trying to help those guys out because it'll help the team out in the end. There's a lot of intrigue about the Nakua brothers. You already talked about Samson and Puka a little bit, but what do those guys bring to the atmosphere of BYU football training camp? Those dudes, they, they have a lot of personality. They, they're always energetic. You know, we come in at 7 in the morning and they're already yelling and jumping around. And so I think, you know, during fall camp, it can, things can get kind of boring. All the days can start blending together. But you need those type of people to come in and, and energize things up and make practice fun. And that's what they've been doing so far. You know, it's, it's never a dull moment when they're in there. In meetings, meetings are fun. We're all laughing and joking around while we're, while we're doing our business. And so I think just, just those personalities itself, like take away their, their on-the-field performance, just their personalities. You can already see the, the impact it's having. Gunnar Romney is on BYU Sports Nation. All access from BYU football training camp. Your buddy Dax Mill made his NFL debut with the Washington football team. What did you think of his uh, limited catches and his 19-yard punt return? I mean, I thought they should get the ball to him more. Um, it's it's so cool seeing him play on 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 the big stage like that. Seeing him make a couple catches, you know, have a big punt return. It's awesome. I mean, it, it, it's motivation for me because I want to be where he's at next year. But it's it's super cool just seeing seeing my guy succeed like that. Yeah, what type of communication do you have with all of your former teammates? Because there are a bunch that are all trying to collectively or individually, I should say, make their rosters wherever they are. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm friends with all of them, but I'm, I'm a little bit closer to a couple of them. So I've, I've stayed in a little bit uh, more in touch with a couple of them, like Zach and Dax, I, I talk to a lot. And, you know, it's cool seeing their process and just seeing their journey and talking to them about that. Um, it's, it's really exciting to see, cause I know that all of them, um, are going to do big things and they're, they're all, they all are. I mean, you see Isaiah making big plays up with the Colts and you see Kyrus is running with reps with the ones, you know, a lot of people are from BYU are making a lot of, a lot of good things happen in the NFL. Are you giving Zach Wilson some tips? If so, what are they? I'm not giving Zach any tips. You know, I'm not a quarterback at all. I'll let Zach sling the rock. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, let's talk about the quarterback situation at BYU right now. It's clearly the number one storyline in training camp right now is who's going to be the guy to open up against Arizona. You have a unique relationship with each of these guys for varying reasons. I'm not going to ask you to pick a starter or do something mean like that, but I am going to ask you to explain how each of these quarterbacks 
are different from each other or just unique. So let's start with uh, your brother, Baylor Romney. What makes him unique and a guy that could absolutely be the one that starts against Arizona? Yeah, no, I, I think Baylor's skill set is in his calm attitude. His, he's composed. He's going to make the smart play. He's going he's gonna to read the defenses. He's going to make the smart play and, you know, march the ball up the field. He's, he's calm. He's not going to get rattled if he gets sacked or if, you know, things are, things are against us. He's not going to get rattled, and he's going to step in. He's going to be poised, and uh, he, he has that good quality that a quarterback has. All right, let's do it with Jaron Hall now. Jaron? I think Jaron's leadership is what really separates him. Um, Jaron is, is an outstanding leader. He's someone that everybody looks to in, in trying situations. Um, he's, he's also calm and he's, he's got Jaron's super smart. He, he can read the defenses really good. He can make really smart decisions and he has, he has a can of an, of an arm. Okay. And finally, your high school quarterback, Jacob Conover. Jacob, I think Jacob's arm talent is is one of the best arm talents in, in the country. Um, you know, he can put the ball where he exactly where he wants it. Um, you know, he can he can take shots downfield. He can you know throw on the run, and he's got outstanding arm talent. We don't need your offensive coordinator to break down the quarterbacks. We just have you do it, man. No, nah, man. See, I just have a different perspective. I'm the one catching the ball on the other side. Who hurts your hands the most? That's the real question. Oh man, if I'm running a slant route, I would say Jacob probably hurts my hands the most, man. He, he just, he rifles it in there. He's got, he's got a cannon on him too. There's that arm talent you're talking about. Okay. Uh, before we let you go, what do you feel like is the best thing that your team as a whole has accomplished in two weeks of fall camp? Um, the progress I've seen already, you know, especially, um, the first, the first couple of days, the defense was handing it to the offense. You know, we, uh, they, they got us the first couple of days, which is normal. You know, we were, we're trying to get the chemistry and stuff building, you know, and then the next two days, the offense, um, we, we really put it on the defense. And then ever since then, it's been back and forth. And so I think the competition between offense and defense and between everybody, you know, individual uh, position battles, you know, one-on-one battles, I think the competition is it's what's really standing out to me. And I'm super proud of our team for that because, um, you know, it's, it's hard to – to keep battling against the same people every single day, but everybody's kind of, kind of maintained that energy throughout fall camp. And, you know, we're just looking forward to finally being able to compete against someone else come September 4th. Is there any added motivation that it's against the university of Arizona and that's your home state? For me, there is because I, I know personally seven or eight people on that team. I played in high school with, I think there's five guys um, from my high school that I played with that, that are on the Arizona team. And so for me personally, it's, it's a lot of motivation. I want to go and I want to beat those guys. I love it. Gunner. It's great to talk with you, my friend. Good luck to you the rest of camp. Uh, let's give you some BYU sports nation karma to stay healthy, to stay well. Cannot wait for that season opener. Thanks my friend. Thanks Spencer. Have a good one. Gunner Romney with Spencer Linton. Gunner's expected to have a, a big year here. He's part of a loaded receiver group. How do you think he's going to play this year? I, you know, I, I like I like Gunner. Um, what a name, right? You Gunner. got you got to produce. You, you got to produce, and you got to have some guns, right? Um, he looks like he's been working. He, yeah, he looks he looks good. He looks he looks big. Um, I, I the thing I like about Gunner the most is the way he's able to position his body in front of the the DB and the ball. Mm. And so, no matter how good the coverage is from for a defensive back, you ain't getting you ain't getting around it. And that reminds me of Dennis Pitta, like like I identical you. identical to my boy Dennis. I love you and how he placed his body 
uh, to where, you know, the DBs really didn't have a chance. So Yeah, and um, if Dennis had kept his helmet on, it would have been even better. Hello, Jerem. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. If you didn't hear, uh, let's tell you about it. The ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 are expected to announce an alliance next week. This according to will the they declare an alliance? Will they declare it or will they say it? Uh, what does this mean for BYU? I don't know. And the good, reason good, we good chat. The reason we don't know is because we don't honestly know what this announcement is going to entail. Because in the article by The Athletic, they don't even know. They said this is going to go beyond just a scheduling alliance. By all accounts, it, it seems like the alliance is, is obviously the scheduling part of it, to be able to have those scheduling partners for non-conference. But it, it seems like it is more about having an opposition to the SEC dominating everything in college football. Yeah. It's yeah. having those three leagues – getting together because they consider themselves like-minded in, in a lot of the ways they handle their business and things like that. Like-minded. They're not the SEC. That's the like-minded. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that could very well be it. But it, it's basically a way to, to balance out what the SEC may try to push through on its own. There was a notable conference left out of said alliance. It's the Big 12. Yes. Uh, it's probably – I'm guessing they're conversing about, okay, what are we doing relative to the Big 12? Are we going to poach them or are we not? Like, what are we going to do? Later, I, I would imagine that's part of the conversation. I, so scheduling, this could affect BYU in a negative way. If these guys go, listen, let's make sure we're beefing up our schedules against each other. This may take away from a couple games that maybe BYU wanted because those slots are taken. It depends on who needs what, right? Pac-12 plays nine games in, in league. They only have three non-conference games. They probably have a rivalry game and maybe an FCS game for some teams. And then there's... BYU trying to slide into that one opening. So it might be a little harder um, against the Alliance. Are they going to have a, a name? I know there was a nickname put out there that was funny. Um, the Big Pac-Lantic. The Big Pac-Lantic. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I imagine they're still going to have separate TV deals, or maybe there's a combined TV deal. Who knows? To, to match. I have no idea. But I think scheduling could negatively affect BYU there. Or they may say, hey, we're still scheduling BYU. The ACC doesn't really schedule BYU too much, but um, – it's mainly the Pac-12. I, I wish the BYU had a formal agreement with the Pac-12 right. in, in scheduling. They don't really need it, I suppose, because they're playing almost everybody over the next decade, it feels like, outside of Oregon State and Colorado, right? Um, so all good. But I don't know that it totally negatively affects BYU, but <sighs> what's BYU's way into a Power 5 league if they have one? Is it Big 12 or bust? Because I think I, it ha- right now it certainly looks when like. When these three get together, it doesn't feel like BYU's going to have any opportunity with it. And I agree with you. The, the scheduling negative could be one thing that comes out of this and how it affects BYU. Honestly, the very first thing, though, that came to my mind when I thought of this is because the Big 12 is the obvious conference being left out of this, yeah. is does this – push them further down the road that we have to expand. We cannot be, you know, taken apart more than what we're going to be. That's a great point. So, so that's actually yeah. the – and maybe that's just my own optimism and my desire to have BYU in the Big 12 is that they're, they say we can't – we know Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. 
we know we can't survive at eight. We probably can't survive at 10. We're going to have to go to 12 or more. And then that gives BYU statistically even more chance, you would hope, of getting into the Big 12. And maybe uh, the ACC, Big 10, and Pac-12 feel like we have to expand to match it, to get, but do it together. Right. And maybe there's an opportunity for BYU within that. I don't know. I think that BYU's opportunity for a Power 5 invite is directly tied to a higher desperation level of a Power 5 conference. I don't believe it's tied to BYU's merits at all. No. BYU deserves to be in a Power 5 league and has for 40 years. Okay, in all of the scenarios... It's tied to the desperation of a league to need a team like BYU. Okay, so in all of... Let's, even just in the last 15 years, with all of the things that have happened to the Big 12 in terms of letting people in and you know getting the 10-team the, the champion, all, all of the things that the Big 12 has gone through, have they ever... At least the feeling now. Have they ever been as desperate or in a desperate situation as they are right now? No. Because I think this, this speaks to your point. This, this feels like something that could really push them in that direction more than maybe what they originally thought they were going to have to do it. At the moment, like right now, they don't have to do anything because they've got through 2024 Correct. football season to get their stuff Until Unless Texas and Oklahoma are willing to pay the exit fee and get out. Well, even then, they'll, they'll have eight, and they'll have the same TV deal. That's what I'm saying. They don't have to do anything uh, until 25, in theory, meaning for that season. They could always negotiate it earlier. So they've got a sec. They're trying to figure it out. But this alliance is an absolute threat to the livelihood of the Big 12. Without question. You would think, because they're not including them. Why would they? They're like, eh, I don't know. And that's why I think that they will uh, – the other three – well, the pack. What'd you say? The 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 big pack Atlantic. The big pack Atlantic will converse relative to plans about the Big Twelve. What are we doing? Like, if they want to come in and spread it, like, what are we going to do? And are we? Let's let's all talk. Uh, that I, again, I joked at the beginning of the show. I love playing Risk. In Risk, you form alliances. You're like, okay, I'm gonna hold South America. I, I see you in Africa. Let's form an alliance. Let's not attack each other. We let's let's it's help. Basically, like can. Survivor. Sure, yeah. Um, I didn't watch Survivor 10, but that general idea. Yes, yes. I just uh, have never uh, played Risk. Oh, okay. Um, it's fun. It's a board game. I don't have three years to play a game. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> so we'll see what this means for you. I, I hope it's something positive. It could be negative. Um, but BYU is in a position right now where – think about this, too, for BYU. Did what happened with NLI last week continue to validate the idea of BYU – being independent, having the autonomy, because that's what I think BYU wants out of its football program right now is autonomy. It's not just schedule. It's not just TV contract. It's Utah economy. Mm-hmm. It's national economy. And the splash that it made, I think that plays into BYU's idea of, you know what we don't need? A conference telling us what to do relative to these unique things that we want to do because we don't want – BYU got really, really bothered by the idea of Wyoming getting the same amount of TV money as BYU. You know who else is bothered by this? Uh, Texas and Oklahoma were bothered by it in their league, right? Um, where does BYU fit into this? How does NLI fit into this? I think BYU right now feels more comfortable than it ever has being independent. But the question is, like in 30 years, can BYU still be independent? In 10 years, can BYU still be independent and compete at the level it wanted? I don't want 2020 to have been fool's gold in that, yes, BYU had an incredible season on the field and off it in the draft, 
because they didn't play any Power Fives. That's never going to be a schedule BYU ever plays again. And it's not something that would ever be sustainable for the program. Yes, I want a weaker schedule. I don't want that weak of a schedule. That's just what they had to do. Took advantage. BYU's got to be in a Power Five league if they want to financially hang at that same level. Or, or the amazing Utah con- economy and, and donors and whatnot, make it so it's like a Power Five TV deal from that money. That is an opportunity that does exist in some capacity. As it relates to this alliance that is expected to be you know, announced shortly, we certainly will not have 100% clarity in terms of what it means for BYU, but we'll at least be able to have a better idea of how it could affect BYU once we know exactly what the yeah. alliance entails. What are they talking about? Exactly what this is going to mean. What are you, uh, what are you teaming up on? Exactly. Yeah, so I'm, I'm interested to find out. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. In light of BYU's recent announcement with Miami and a two-game schedule in 2026 and 2028, a series, we're looking back at the top five plays from BYU's upset of number one-ranked Miami in 1990. We're just skipping right over the 88 game. We're just going right Don't to Don't worry 90. about that one. Number five, BYU defense. Huge fourth down stop, fourth and one that leads to a game-winning touchdown. The BYU defense, underrated Woo! in this. Great penetration up the gut. And uh, BYU, BYU defensively was really stout in this game against the number one team in the country. Number four, more defense. Irvin Lee had a game to remember mm, for BYU. Freshman. Number nine, give me that. Picks off the heralded Heisman Trophy candidate Craig Erickson in the end zone. Preseason heralded. <laughs> what, oh, a pick, what a pick, dude. What a play They're like Irvin Lee. Like bottles around. Number three, Urban Lee again breaks up a uh, long Erickson pass on fourth down. This wins the game. This this is BYU's kneeling and out after this into the end. Ah, no, nope. great turn, great anticipation. That would be flag guarding in uh, flag football at BYU Intramurals, but they're playing actual football here, which is great. How good is that play to find the ball after yep. he turned over the wrong shoulder and knock it out of the receiver's hands? Celebration's pretty good too. Oh, yeah. Number two, iconic plays. Ty Detmer dances around in the pocket for what feels like forever. He loses the rush. It is. It's like seven seconds. Multiple times. And then promptly finds Matt Bellini in the corner of the end zone. Everybody going nuts in Provo. What a great play. Ty's ability to get out of the pocket. And he's so small. It's just dancing around. Knee brace. Throwing off the uh, other foot. Bang. Love it. And the top play against Miami, 1990. Ty Detmer eludes the rush. Multiple Miami defenders crash into each other. Russell Maryland among them. Finds Mike Salito. Seven-yard go-ahead TD to give the Cougars a lead. It would never relinquish. This is such a great play. Yes. What a So, Ty always says, you know, there were you know 66,000 people there, but I swear <laughs> 200,000 people claim they were there. He told us the amazing story that the fans rushed the field, but he didn't want to miss the locker room celebration, what Lavella was going to say, so he hurries... He hurries to the locker room, and then uh, no one's in there. Okay, what we don't talk about <laughs> often is Ty Detmer's playing with 15 stitches in his chin. Yeah. Because he got 
rocked by a defensive end early in the game and hit Chris Smith on like an 18-yard post corner, yeah. the tight end. Got right back up. It was a little woozy. They stitched him up, put a big old fat bandage on that thing. Still got the, score, the scar from it. Just played through it because that's who he was. Man. Yeah, tight end, man. He's great. Love it. Amazing. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. What a weekend for BYU football players making their NFL preseason debuts. Holy cow. Jerem, there were so many great moments between Zach Wilson and Kyrus Tony. talked about the goal line stand. Dax Milne got things started on Thursday night, had a nice punt return. Isaiah Kafusi, a big tackle for loss. And I'm just scratching the surface. What was your favorite moment from the BYU in the NFL weekend. There, yeah, there were a lot. And I don't want to make too much of a preseason game because if you're really good, you don't actually play that much. You know what I mean? Uh, but there are guys scratching and clawing to try and make the 53-man roster or at least hang on a practice squad and get a shot during the season. So it is exciting when they make some plays. And there were many of them. And there are many dudes, so, which is awesome. Um, certainly the NFL tweeting out a highlight from Isaiah Kafusi is notable. Uh, with hundreds of thousands of followers, if not millions. Uh, that's awesome. Isaiah Kafusi's TFL was sweet. From the famous Kafusi family yes. from BYU. Yes, exactly, which is pretty cool. Kairos Tonga getting some love for the Bears' goal line stand against the Dolphins on a fourth down uh, at the goal line was pretty cool. But it's got to be Zach Wilson because Zach's success is tied to BYU's perception. It is. If Zach, if Zach doesn't do well and or the Jets don't do well with Zach, that reflects on BYU, whether we like that or not. It is separate from BYU, but it's really not. Okay? So Zach going six for nine, looking smooth, getting the ball out on time, missed a couple throws. That's fine. You're not going to make every throw. You're a rookie. But there's a lot. the pendulum swung last week to the Justin Fields-Trey Lance camp, right? Oh, I don't know. Oh, Da-da-da. Trey Lance, 80-yard right? touchdown pass. Five for 14. He had like the lowest quarterback rating of any rookie quarterback and again I don't want to make too much of one game right either way like if Zach had a bad game today we'd be saying well it was just one game we should say the same thing about one yeah sure but I was uh very encouraged by what I saw from Zach Wilson and it was awesome because again getting the ball out he made a third down and nine conversion over the middle he made an out throw to Corey Corey Davis Davis that was just ball gets out with that zip that we've seen he talked with us after uh Pro day about, okay, you know what? The NFL ball is different. I'm getting used to that. Crisp throws the Zach Wilson we know and love. So that was encouraging. That was great. He just didn't look nervous. He looked very poised. Yeah. yeah. And there were situations where, for lack of a better phrase, in the football world, they call it a dirty pocket. When yeah. pass rushers get inside and it starts to kind of look like an ugly pocket, he maneuvered through the pocket, made some throws with pressure in his face, and I just thought Zach personified poise in his first action against the New York Giants. And people will say, well, he was playing against the second team from the New York Giants. I don't care. I don't. In I'm the sorry. Are, 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 are the second team defenders not NFL players? Okay. And I saw somebody joke, well, let's see Zach make that throw to Corey Davis against NFL talent. Oh, wait. He is making it against NFL talent. And again, one, that's all we heard last year was, well, yeah, it's, it's an NFL throw, but let's see him do it against NFL talent. He's doing it. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I thought, I thought Good he, start. Was, he was Good start. poised. I thought he was uh, calm. Within that game, my favorite moment 
was when he made that throw on third and nine. Was it to Denzel Mims? Or I can't remember. But it's, it was kind of like uh, a double post, and he threw to the backside receiver. After he makes that throw, his offensive lineman looks at him and is like, yeah, that's my quarterback. Yeah, right? and then we can't say no. what it looked like what Zach no, said to him. but I just was like, <laughs> there, there was a moment between Zach and his offensive lineman yeah. that was like, you're my quarterback, I'm going to protect you, nice job, nice throw. And I was like, okay, those, those are the moments yes. that will solidify him as the quarterback, the guy as a rookie for his New York Jets teammates. Yeah, he's got to have a lot more of those, of yeah, course. But I, I liked it's, it. It's a good start. Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco. Tweeted Zach Wilson. That's tweet. that's the tweet. Like and yeah, he's going to be noticed. And there's a lot of pressure on him because again, the, don't be fooled. The pendulum will swing back and forth with love and hate. Right with with NFL quarterbacks. As soon as he throws his happen, first interception, watch out. Zach will have like a three pick day this year, and it's going to stink, right? Um, but he's also going to have a three touchdown day and zero picks. Like just brace yourself for the roller coaster that is being in the NFL. Taysom Hill gets the start as well. Should mention that. And apparently he is being slated, according to a couple of sources in New Orleans, as the number one guy for week number one, not just in the preseason when yep. the actual season starts. Uh, I'd be shocked if he's not. The The love affair between Sean Payton and, and Taysom Hill is evident, right? Jason, sure. Uh, Jameis Winston is a newcomer to this, just signing last year. They're going to give Taysom a shot. If he's the guy, yeah, he's the guy. If he's not, then he can always go back to the role he had before. Another cool thing that... I, I saw collectively over the weekend was how about four quarterbacks who played collegiate football in the state of Utah, two from BYU, Taysom Hill and Zach Wilson, but then Jordan Love at Utah State for the Green Bay Packers nice game. and Tyler Huntley for the Baltimore Ravens leads yeah. a comeback. By the way, the Ravens have won like 18 straight preseason it's, games, yes, which, which is so random. Which, yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay, but to see four <laughs> quarterbacks from the state of Utah – well, that's a fun fact. Starting in NFL or playing in NFL preseason games, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that was great. Do you want to mention Tyson Williams, too, speaking of the Ravens? He looked like a stud, Jerem. Okay, okay, Tyson Williams is battling for a top three spot to make the 53. Um, he's not going to surpass J.K. Dobbins or Gus Edwards, who both were like eight touchdown guys last year and 130-plus carries for the Ravens. He the leading rusher, hard. by the way, for the Ravens is Lamar Jackson, 1,000 yards. Those other two were like you know, 700-plus. Uh, but Justice Hill is the third guy who didn't – he played in 12 games but only had 60 yards rushing. Tyson Williams got a chance to be the number three for the Ravens. And uh, Ben Criddle put it out, and I think we feel the same way. If Tyson Williams is, doesn't get hurt against Washington, the, these T-shirts, by the way, were the T-shirts for that game, by the way, the polos, um, then all of a sudden that season is very different. I right? know. It's not seven and six. It's – he makes a game or two. Nine and four, honestly. ten and three. Maybe, right? Uh, we think that possibility exists. So I'm excited to watch Tyson. Shout out to the Chiefs Niners game as well. We mentioned five Cougs involved in that. The one. picture after the game That's is pretty awesome. Cool. That's pretty cool. Daniel Sorensen, uh, he's standing in the middle of Fred Warner and Corbin Kafusi, and then uh, you got Zane Anderson and Kai Nakua on the other side. Kai had, Kai had six tackles in that game. Yeah, and Zane, uh, Daniel looks small next to Corbin. Because Corbin is a giant. Like, Corbin is 6'10 and massive and playing O-line. So, Zane looks like, uh, you know, small. And Daniel does. Those are big dudes. Those are big dudes, okay? Kai's left uh, arm, by the way, fully tatted up and sleep. That looks incredible. That looks awesome. Polynesian culture. I love it. That's amazing. I love it. The Nakua brand. I'm getting something similar tomorrow. That's crazy. Wow. 
No way. <laughs> Big news for Jerem Jordan revealed on BYU Sports Nation. That would be quite the move, right? Yes. I don't think I could handle the That'd pain. That'd be quite the flex. I that would be quite the flex, Jerem. Well, I, I need a bigger arm, I think. <laughs> Too skinny. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> so many cool things yeah. happened for BYU guys in the NFL over the weekend. Again, it's preseason, but let's celebrate it. It was really yes. cool. Not all these guys are going to make the squads, um, but hopefully they get a chance sure. at practice squads. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.